Ben is correct. It is the real Kipper and Bourne show live on Sportsnet 590. The fan morning edition. So wherever you're listening, subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, we're glad you're aboard. Plenty to get into, including the Eastern Conference final, where Tampa Bay evened up the series at two games apiece versus the New York Rangers with a 3-1 victory. We're also going to have, uh, in roughly, what, 20 minutes or so, Brian Englom, of course, uh, longtime Tampa Bay Lightning analyst for Bally Sports. He's going to be around uh, to talk about what, where the turnaround, uh, in his mind, truly happened. Also, guys, later on in the show, uh, Denver Broncos. Let's go off the grid a little bit here and talk about uh, where values are going in pro yeah. sports and what that may mean to the Ottawa Senators. A couple of signings as well. Dennis Garianov signs in Dallas. What does that mean if you compare him to maybe Mikheyev? Is that a, a comparable? We'll, we'll get into that and a ton more. Let's welcome in Justin Bourne, Woo-hoo! Josh Santos on tech, yep. and of course, the one and only Samuel McKee, not McPhee. Better energy today from the kids today. No rain. We got the names right. The whole time is out. We're going today. Uh, We're going. Out. And... I'm heading to the. I'm heading to the St. George's after this. Boys, gonna go. Uh, gonna lay of the land for the Canadian Open, RBC Canadian mm. Open. Gonna ride my bike up there. The sun is out. Maybe play a little cheeky twilight round today. The boys are feeling better today than we were yesterday. Is, is there? Is, <laughs> I know it's a, a pro am today. Uh, is yeah. there any me, anything going on for media for you? Sammy? No, I'm going to go. Ch- I, I, got a, I got a little uh, spot at the media center, so I'm going to go get settled there. Maybe go kiss a few babies, go rub shoulders and bump elbows with all the stars. Maybe, you know, <laughs> film some videos. Just, just yeah. no, live tour, no live tour events today? Ah, no, no, no. It's like, uh, God, could there be more distractions for the RBC Canadian Open? Like, I know. You got half the PGA going over to the live tour. Tiger's announcing he's not going to, uh, to the U.S. The Open. Open. I saw John McCarthy said that the next distraction is aliens are going to come down in, in golf carts to do, to take away from the RBC Canadian Open. Anyways, yeah. we don't have to talk about it, but I'm excited to head over there today. So before we uh, we, we break into the, the Tampa Bay New York Ranger game last night, I do have a few friends that are members at St. George's, and that's, of course, where... Uh, oh, they must be pissed. They're sour. <laughs> Why? Oh, about the... Oh, it just shuts down their course for like two weeks, three yeah. weeks, and it gets beat up. And once it's that. all cle- once it's all cleared out and it starts looking normal again, the summer's over. <laughs> well, tough bounce that you had to have a PGA event at your awesome course. You know who's a member there? Uh, Ottawa Senator Connor Brown is a St. George's member. Nice. Uh, pretty yeah, sure nice John Varis is as well. I'm oh, cool. sure a longtime listener of the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Uh, we, we could round Presumably. out his foursome, couldn't we, there? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Absolutely. Co- yeah, Connor, if you're looking for a couple of guys, we got a, we got a good group here. All right. As we get into Tampa Bay, the turnaround's there, guys, is it not? Like, 2-2. Two, two. If we would have said that the New York Rangers would be going back for game 5-2-2 two, two, before the series started, you would say... Yeah, that'd be a really good thing for them, especially oh, yeah. when you know how dominated, uh, dominating they've been 
at Madison Square Garden. Yet, 2-2 doesn't feel very good for the New York Rangers now, does it? No, it feels like everything is coming undone. All the all the things that were supposed to uh, or that looked like they were going in their favor are kind of turning around. Vasilevsky's back. Uh, you know, the big boys on, on Tampa, like they found their pace again, I found last night, created a ton of chances. That, to me, looked like a, a more scary Tampa Bay Lightning team. I, that's funny you mentioned the pace there. I, I honestly don't even feel like they found their pace. It's almost like they convinced the Rangers to play at their pace. They've slowed oh, yeah. them down. Like, because in those first two games, watching the, the games at Madison Square Garden with the Rangers, they just seem like this overwhelming sort of, you know, force, that they're faster, they were on every puck, they just look younger, they look speedier. But when it went down to Tampa, it just kind of flipped where it just seems that they really can, I guess it's a lot of it has to do with matchups and whatnot, but they've controlled the pace a lot better, and the, the, the Rangers have played a lot slower to me in the last two games. It's, it's been so interesting watching Tampa Bay, especially in that home stretch of the regular season when they went on this horrific run Mm-hmm. And everybody started talking about running out of gas and, and tired and how hard it is. And yet uh, they found a little bit of their mojo uh, the last few games of the regular season. Then it kicks in and we hear that same conversation early against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're not mm-hmm. looking great. They look tired, maybe a little disinterested. Slow at times. They couldn't keep skate with the Leafs. It's over. Uh, And then uh, they ramp up. Here we are now in an Eastern Conference final. They go down 2-0 against Tampa Bay. And yet we hear the same narrative going back to Tampa that this may be it. Finally, it catches up to them. And no. No, that's not the case. Well, Kipper, for me, think about where would the advantage of rest show up? They had a sweep last round, and the Rangers went seven after going seven the round before. You know, at the start of the series, you know, the Rangers looked, as we mentioned, sharper, quicker, all those things. Well, where's the rest advantage going to show up? It shows up now. It shows up not in game one when the adrenaline's still there for the Rangers. It shows up as the series goes on. And Sammy mentioned it looked like they can't keep their pace. This is this is why you want to play less games in the playoffs, that you're the fresher team as series go deeper. Yeah. Sammy, you want to uh, comment or should we go to uh, Kipper's Clipper on uh, John Cooper and, and, and the rest that JB's talking about? Let's let's listen to the the the, the Kipper's Clipper on the rest because I think it's an important one for this conversation. Don't underestimate how hard it is to play in the playoffs, extreme intense games, and then take ten days off. You can't replicate that coming in, and and we're playing a really strong Rangers team who've come off a couple big emotional series wins, and they went right in and and took it to us, and so. Uh, in saying that, you know, we knew we had, you know, take that part of it aside. Uh, clearly, we had some puck management issues, and uh, however you want to explain that, that's that's not. We weren't tired. We were just making some poor decisions, and so we, you know, if you want to move on, you have to tighten that stuff up. And uh, we have. Uh, are we perfect? No, uh, but are we giving ourselves a chance? Uh, we are, and. Uh, like I said, now we've just got to go do it in their building. 
Makes sense, doesn't it? It does. It it's does. It's the That's... classic rest over rust. Like this is just this is a this is a conversation that we've been having in sports and every single sport in playoffs forever is the rest versus rust conversation where it's like, oh, you want to get the rest, but then you go against a team that's been playing a lot and you look rusty. Like it's a, it's a a fine line to walk and it looks like they've walked it fine now because they lose the first two and now they're right back in the series. I'll I'll tell you, go ahead, JB. No, 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 your turn, Kip. I was just going to say, you know, as a, as a pro on, on a number of occasions, I've been involved in sweeps both in the NHL and in the American hockey league. And there's just there's no way you can copy or replicate any of the intensity that you lose in in a in a playoff game and it's hard for teams to go through practice on on those days off and really find ways to keep you engaged and just know where the right line is and of course, you're going to go through your line rushes. You're going to do everything quick and move and fast. But as far as uh, grabbing that emotional or physical state, it's you're on the on deck circle for nine days. It never, it, there's nowhere it can go in practice. I assure you. You know, uh, once upon a time, I won a Calder Cup in 1988 with the uh, Hershey Bears. We're to my belief today we're we're the only team that ever swept all series we never lost a game in the playoffs so on a number of occasions that did that sorry i was on a junior team that swept yeah. the way through for the, to the championship yeah so uh, so uh, on on three different or on two different occasions we had like a, a week and a half off and now <laughs> we're like they're 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 we actually scrimmaged like we we kind of replicated a a scrimmage where we drafted players and we tried to bring as much fun as we could can to it and play a game but like yeah. how hard am i going to go through a guy in that situation oh, well, when, when I was at the Marley's Kipper, we finished a series in five, or we were finished early. And so what they did was they tried to replicate game day. So they had 707 scrimmage. And, you know, the team showed up, you know, had morning skate that day. Everyone went home, had their naps. I don't know if they did or not. Showed up at the ring. They tried to make a, a game, like replicate that, going through that process. It ain't, It doesn't work. You know, I'm not saying – I don't even remember how it went coming out of it exactly. I just know, like, watching the pace of the game, it's like you can't get to that level until it's really time to put yourself in harm's way to block a shot or fight for a puck. Listen, you're, you're absolutely right, and you can maintain your your speed or, or your your passing, but that's a given now that you're just supposed to be at this level of uh, – of of having that skill where the game is won and lost, especially last night, is when Hedman drives Heedle into the boards. Like, can you imagine Hedman at 6'6 and what, 230, 235, going full force on Heedle? Heedle, of course, didn't come back, which is a, a huge. He's been unbelievable. Huge. Right, and they're one of their huge best guys. turning point in the hockey game. Like you can't replicate that in in the nine days off. You know what, two kipper is like the best players on Tampa were dog meat. 
in the first game or two. Like Kucherov was a dog, Hedman was a dog. Like their best players, it's almost like that fine that that level that takes you from a good player to the elite elite guys, like staying at that knife's edge sharpness is, is hardest to do because those guys look so good. Kucherov looks like Kucherov again to me. Absolutely love watching this guy when he's on. You know, I, I think was it in our group chat one of you guys mentioned, you know, that it, you didn't mention Nylander, but that he's either on or off. Like, it's like he can be the most impactful guy in the rink when he's on. Uh, I just think he's so much fun to watch. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. You, you, for Leaf fans, you you hope that uh, Nylander can even reach half of this guy's height. He's it's yeah, not even he's not dumb. even in the he's not even in the conversation uh, to compare. No, I, I, those I mean two consistency guys. wise, though, Kipper, yeah. like not knowing if it's going to be there some nights because Kucherov like, does sleep yeah. through a couple. John Cooper would have similar thoughts to Sheldon Keefe when he wakes up in the morning and thinks, I wonder what I'm going to get from 86 tonight. Like, and he, yeah. the high end of it, listen, the high end of Kucherov is the best player in the league. Like, he's, <laughs> you know, his, his ceiling is really, really good. He won the heart. Like, he's a really great player, but I, I understand your parallel there, but it is yeah. tough to put those two in the same conversation. All right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, layoffs, uh, let's get to John Cooper for a second. Kipper's Clipper on Vasilevsky and perhaps where he thinks he is now in uh, after game four in the Eastern Conference. I don't know. He's in that zone quite a bit. So <laughs> I think, um, you know, we have a luxury of, of him being in that zone. But, you know, it's tough. I, I, you know, I don't think they had a lot of looks early in the game. So he's got to keep himself mentally sharp. And then when they start getting their looks, he's got to be there. And so um, I always think that's, you know, my, you marvel at goaltenders that just can keep their focus when they don't see a lot of action. And all of a sudden they're like thrown into having to make a huge save. And um, it's not just Fassi, it's all goaltenders. Like that's a, it's a, you gotta have, a, you gotta have that trait uh, to be able to excel in this league, and and he has that, but he was, he's getting his mojo back, and you know if if anybody in this layoff probably got hurt, it was probably him, you know, because now you're taken out of your rhythm, and uh, but now he's got some games under his belt, and he looks great. It's almost as if he he has this master plan before the playoffs start, and he's like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be okay here. I'll be above average here. And then these games I'm going to be great in. Like, yeah. it's 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 as if he says, I, I can't have my foot on the gas pedal for two months straight, so I'm going to pick and choose when I want to play my best games. And uh, he, he does it when it's needed most. I, who does that put him? Like Ken Dryden, Grant Fuhr, Billy Smith. Like, yeah. he is already right up there with the the best money goalies in the history of the game. Yeah, it's 100%. almost like this team, this Tampa Bay team, just like you don't want to get them engaged. Like the second they start to feel pressed and they find that that like emergency button, there's just something there that other teams don't have. And look, I don't think Steven Stamkos is, you know, one of the 10 best players in the league. He's not. You know, I don't think, you know, a lot of these guys – I, they just have it now where they've won and there's a confidence that I think comes from Cooper. You hear Cooper talking about Vassy, and don't you just feel the 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 just self-assuredness coming through? They just have a real vibe about them when these days. I don't know. Most, and that's most, why 
that's why John Cooper at times could seem so damn cocky and arrogant mm-hmm. in his in his press conferences or when he's talking about not worrying about the like when you have a Vasilevsky in your back pocket and a and a Kucherov and a Stamkos in your front pocket, I'd be cocky and arrogant too. <laughs> why don't we why don't we use this as a chance to play Gallant on the Lightning playing desperate? Is that a good time to get his yeah. team to the Lightning when they look I, yeah, like a this? Little Go ahead, Sammy. Well, I just wanted to say that I've never I don't remember watching I loved your point about a game plan kipper with Vasilevsky because I don't remember watching a goalie where in the bigger game, like it just the you can just tell. And you know, he says he's in the zone a lot and the the reporter's question kind of alluded to the fact that he kind of raises his game sort of and he says, Oh, he's always in the zone, he's sort of in the zone a lot. But you really can see it, and I don't know how to quantify it, and I don't remember watching a goalie that's like that. Like, I know there's been a ton of great goalies, but, like, they're usually just really great in all these games, and he has the bigger ones where he's just way better. It's hard to explain and hard to quantify, but he just has it. It's weird. Yeah, he's, he's got another gear for sure. Let's, uh, why don't we do that then, do, do Gallant on the Lightning playing desperate? Uh, no, not as much tonight as the first night. I, I mean... But we just didn't, like I said, the word pay the price. If we didn't get inside enough, I mean, Vasilevsky made some good saves, but he didn't have to make enough good saves, you know. Not near as many as Shesky had to make. And uh, like I said, when you give him, I don't know how many chances we had, quality chances, five or six probably. And you got to get a lot more than that in a hockey game. Yeah. The the only one that is cons- truly consistent uh, in terms of a look uh, on the Rangers' side is Shesterkin. And... When, when you look at Vasil, Vasilevsky, the man is like, he looks like Godzilla to me. Yeah, um, he's massive. And that was, of course, uh, Olaf Kolzik's uh, nickname in Washington, uh, my former uh, roommate once upon a time. But that, that physical presence of just looking absolutely like a behemoth. And it, th- there's just no wear and tear on the guy. If, if he's... If he's having an off night, it's just because his timing might be off a little bit or the moment isn't big enough, as Sam had just mentioned. And But when it comes to now Shesterkin, like when does fatigue hit him finally? That that mental and physical pressure yeah, of having year to doing be, this has to be the, the first star every night. Um, we can sit here and legitimately argue whether or not they uh, they make the playoffs if it's not for Shesterkin, his numbers are off the charts, but physically, mentally, emotionally, it, it, it looks like it's going to catch up to Shesterkin a lot more than it ever would for Vasilevsky. How about over the three Stanley cup runs here from Vasilevsky, he's been pulled for the, for another goalie zero times. Jeez. Not in a single game has he needed to come out. Like, talk about an absolute guy you mentioned doesn't look tired, Kipper. Like, he, you know the way some great skaters, you're like, that guy just never gets tired. He's so efficient. There's something to be said for the way Vasilevsky plays that seems sustainable which is, for him. Which is an incredible thing, JB. In today's day and age. We, we've heard so many times where it's the coach The coach will say, hey, listen, I pulled him because I wanted a reaction off my bench. It's not, it has nothing to do with him. I just wanted to wake my bench up. Cooper has never done that. He he leaves Vasilevsky alone, including uh, game one, where I even yep. question, get him out. 
And it's like, mm-hmm. no, he doesn't have to worry about Vasilevsky. That's not an issue. And he doesn't feel like he needs to wake up his team to do it. Yeah. So the one uh, the one place that the Rangers can hurt you is is on their power play. That you know historically one of the best power plays in playoff history right now. I think they're top five or top ten among teams that have had at least forty power plays. Um, should we do? Do you want to do Cooper on the importance of them for staying out of the box? It's sure. It's just a funny clip. Okay. It's just a little short one. You'll you'll hear it when he. It's okay. All right. We, we got John Cooper one. staying out of the box. Are we going to wait on that one? We they have an exceptional later. power play. And so, uh, you know, to, spoke to Captain Obvious today, and he says, to keep him off the power play. It's probably going to help your uh, help your game. And he was. <laughs> Thanks, it's really Coop. a science, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I love, I love how, my, how we complicate coaching, and John Cooper refuses to Do you let think- people. Do you think you went down to the uh, analytics uh, office with, you know, those four or five guys with their calculators and their pencil <laughs> holders and said, you know, um, any advice on, uh, yeah, stay out of the box. Yeah. Right. Hey, have you noticed when you have less guys on the ice than them, they shoot it in the net a lot? Uh, put, put, put yourself in that scenario less. <laughs> why don't we just, uh, why don't we stay with Gallant on on Mika because Zabanajad has been so good and the Rangers' balanced scoring has been so good, but the task of going into Tampa Bay just seemed a little bit much for Mika and company. Let's listen to his head coach talk about that. Obviously, it's it's nothing new that Mika's seeing a check line, um, but is there anything that you you know can, can tell him or tell that line? Tell who? Uh, Mika, you know, as far as being more effective against uh, the Sterling line? <laughs> I tell him that all the time. Be more effective, Mika. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> Ask the question better than that, please. Like, you don't think I talk to our players? And, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? Chiarelli's going to work hard. They're going to try and shut them down as best they can. Everybody has a checking line, you know. That's the way it goes. you got to battle through stuff and that, but... Meek is a professional hockey league player, and he's a real good one at that. So, and that's where the re- the reporter oh, thinks boy. the reporter that asked that question, and I'm totally with Gerard. It's there are no magic words. These guys have been prepped for uh, three weeks now. They get their handbooks on each team. They can't have any more information than they already have. Players are looking for less out of their coach. They don't want another meeting. They don't want another one-on-one talk. There are no magic words. And if if there was some inspiring words, of course they would have come out. So there's nothing left left except Mika to find different ways to to break through. That's it. It's the law of diminishing returns. The more information you give to a player, and eventually it's just it's useless. I am a, a little bit fascinated here by hearing two coaches in the Eastern Conference Final like essentially say to reporters, guys, this is not complicated. It's hockey. Like, you know, we're not overthinking this. Our good players, you know, are going up against their good players. Sometimes they're not going to, you know, have success. Other times they are. You know, there's only so much you can do as a head coach. I think Sorelli is the number one guy that you should point to to how to be effective without producing. 
this guy is everywhere, and he doesn't yeah. score. Like I, like I know he's I, he's not necessarily a goal scorer or whatever. He's he's more of a shutdown guy, but he would like a little bit of offensive contribution. But he is really those two games. He really had Mika in his back pocket. Like he did an mm-hmm. unbelievable job on him. So I love watching that kid play. I'm a huge fan of his. One more as we await uh, Brian Englom uh, to discuss last night and the Tampa Tampa Bay Lightning and their chances now moving towards uh, a, a third consecutive Stanley Cup final. Uh, Hagel, what'd you think of the fight last night? Uh, he looks like Connor McDavid, who's been put in a shrink ray. He's like slightly smaller Connor McDavid, that guy. And I don't mean talent wise. He, he just looks like him. <laughs> he gives me Braden point vibes too. The way he kind of looks like he's shorter, yeah. the way he wears his gear. It's just, he, he gives me the same similar vibes. Loved it. All right. Let's welcome in Brian Anglom. Lightning analyst uh, and two-time Stanley Cup uh, champion. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining us. Uh, just, uh, you know, we're talking about Hagel and the fight, and some are shaking their heads, of course, and others uh, know the value that it could uh, provide uh, a hockey club and the ripple effect uh, when guys are out there paying a price. But uh, your overall thoughts, uh, not necessarily on the Stars last night, but maybe some of the foot soldiers, including uh, Brandon Hagel. Yeah, Hagel's done a really good job uh, ever since uh, they acquired him. Um, you know what? I I confess I didn't even know him that well when he came to the team. And he came in with 21 goals, and I looked at the stats, and I kind of went, wow, I didn't even realize he was a 20-goal scorer. You know, and I think what had happened with him is his game had grown on a team in Chicago that obviously wasn't, you know, going anywhere playoff-wise. And he had a chance to, to make a mark there and really kind of ex- open up his game. Um, and his confidence level grew. Uh, he got to play with the Taves and Kane, and you know what that can do for your confidence. And <clears throat> excuse me, all of that really showed in his game. And then he came here to, to the team, and things weren't going as well early on uh, on the offensive side um, because the puck just wasn't going in the net for him. But I think then that, that he settled into the kind of game that he's playing now. And that led to what happened uh, last night. Like he, he plays a, a little nasty edge game. Uh, he's not a very big guy, but it doesn't seem to bother him at all. As far as the fight went, it wasn't going too well early, but he certainly bounced back and uh, got some pretty good licks in it uh, there at the end. So I think anytime you have a guy that's playing that role, um, which is an important role because he's on that checking line with Sorelli now. Boy, they've they've done a really, really good job on Zabanajad's line in this series, five on five, and uh, stepping up and, and getting in that fight and uh, showing that extra edge goes a long way. Does for sure, and that's one of the things I think that's that's helping out Tampa. What do you see as having changed in this series from the games that saw them go down two nothing to the ones that that tied the the series up? You know, it's it was interesting to me because after the Toronto and the Florida series, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning got this reputation around the league, and and for good reason uh, that. They were this incredible defensive shot-blocking team, and we saw a couple of the games where guys were literally walking off behind the bench because they blocked so many shots, and some of them could barely stand up. Hagel's a good example. He took one in the foot there, and you never know. We'll find out afterwards whether he had a foot fracture or whatever, how bad it was. These things happen all the time in the playoffs, as you guys know. But I, I thought it got to an extreme, and they went into this series – uh, against the Rangers, and every series has its different flavor. And 
The New York Rangers are a different style team than Florida or Toronto. And the Lightning, I think, just tried to repeat what they had done in the first two rounds. You can't keep doing the same thing. I'm a huge believer in that. You can't keep doing the same thing. It's funny because all you hear is the coaches and the players say, well, we just have to play our game. I don't believe that at all. I think you have to change your game constantly in the playoffs. Mm. And they were, they were playing in this shell, and they were defending all the time. Defend, 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 defend. Block shots only. It wasn't working so well. And the Rangers were just full of themselves, especially the big guys. And they just had a flow to their games. Zavanajad couldn't miss the net with his eyes closed. I mean, it was incredible. And even so, even still, the, or the uh, Lightning were doing well five on five. But their offense had no pop to it at all. It seemed like they'd become a one-way team and not the one way you would expect to happen. Well, in game three, finally, uh, we were talking about it before game three started, the Stars had to bring their game back. They needed not five shot blockers in front of Vasilevsky. They needed inspiration. Vasilevsky needed inspiration, which means, Hedman, Hedman, go play your game. Stamko, score some goals. Kucherov, you got to pick it up a notch here. you got to play in third and fourth gear, not just second gear that he likes to do. But he doesn't have Braden Point in the lineup. Braden drives the offense with the speed, and then Kucherov plays this game in behind him, and it works perfectly. Well, Point's not there. So Kuch had to pick it up, and I thought right from the beginning of his first shift in game three where he went down on a one-on-one, drifted wide, and took a shot on net, and I went, that's the Nikita Kucherov that they need. And ever since then, he's gone to another level, and it's made a big difference. Brian, um, on a number of occasions, we've seen uh, probably three weeks before the regular season and then early against Toronto and then, uh, of course, going down 2 nothing <clears throat> against New York Rangers. Uh, a, a lull and the one thing that stood out in all three scenarios is the temperament of a John Cooper and how he has so much confidence in the group to not necessarily um, you know sink them or or publicly call them out but there's just this this quiet confidence that he knows that uh, it, it's temporary and you know, just speak of John Cooper over the years and how he's evolved as a, as a coach. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Um, he, like the team, learned a lot from those losses uh, three years ago and four years ago. People tend to overlook the, the, the loss to the Washington Capitals before they lost to Columbus in four straight. Those were both important years. It was different scenarios. But those are learning processes. And I think Coop learned a lot about the defensive side of the game because he, would, he talked a lot about uh, offense and moving the puck. And, and, yes, we just want to play our game. And now you hear him talk about, you know, the defensive side of the game more. And he has adjusted. So his, his thought process has realized that, you know, you have to play defense a lot tighter uh, more often in order to win the cup, and that's for sure. But as far as his temperament goes, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't rise and fall behind the bench. He's pretty low-key all the time. But don't uh, underestimate the fact that, yeah, he doesn't go in and, and rip it up from time to time, and yes, he does. And I'm sure he can be pretty scary when he, when he wants to be. Uh, he's, got a, he's, a, he's an attorney. He's got a, a, a masterful control of the language, and he really relates to his players really well. The, the words matter, right? Especially in today's game, I think, how you approach the players. But sometimes it comes down to 
you're going to get kicked in the backside here because let's get going here. He has no fear of doing that either. That's for sure. He'll get in, in the face of uh, Stamkos, Cooch, uh, uh, Point, you know, what Palat, Hedman, whatever, and tell them what's going on. That's for sure, and you better get going. But for the most part, especially on the bench, and he does have all those star players who have a great temperament themselves, and so he has the luxury of, of coaching a team that internally can take care uh, of a lot of things uh, on their own as well. How high did Nick Paul jump when he cut short his TV interview that went viral? <laughs> well, there you go. That's that's Coop. He just went, uh, no, now, in the room, let's go. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and what do you do? Yeah, it's, unfor- yes. it's unfortunate, but he doesn't care. Coop doesn't care. He's the coach. He's running the show, and there's a pretty good example right there of exactly what happens at times. And I don't think once the door closed, I don't, I don't think it was too friendly in there, but it worked, didn't it? Oh, it sure did. It certainly did. You know, looking at the um, some of the superstars in the series and trying to make sense of who's making a difference, one guy that stands out to me is Adam Fox on the other side. This guy, I, I just can't get over the way he moves the puck and his vision. What do you make of uh, the Hedman versus Fox matchup and just how important it is for these guys that their number one D, uh, you know, play at the top of their games? Well, if you're going to go anywhere, um, you have to have the star players at, at each position. You have to have the great goalie. You have to have a, that star defenseman, and you have to have some guys who can shoot the puck and some stars up front. Uh, Fox is a really talented guy. He's such a subtle player. He's kind of, I don't know, he's, he's more like almost like Sergei Zuboff a little bit. Like, you know, Zuboff would make some incredible plays, and you look at the end of the night, look at all the, the points he's got and the way he managed the puck and the plays he made and the calm, you know, with players all around him in his own zone, making that first pass out. Fox does all those things. And in the offensive zone, he stands in there like, you know, some of the greats of all time. Uh, Ryan Leach obviously was, you know, Hall of Famer playing for the Rangers, you know, on the offensive blue line. Guys that have that nerve. At where, you know, they have no pulse rate at all, it seems, when, you know, they're assessing the situation in the offensive zone when you really need a goal. All those things I think Fox has. Hedy can certainly do that as well, too. Hedman's been pretty calm, actually, in these playoffs. He has not been up and down the ice a whole lot. He did it early on in Game 3, and I think that was part of the inspiration that I was referring to that they needed. Because when Hedman wants to go, I mean, he's as good as anybody in the game at going coast to coast. The six foot six man, 230, and he can just fly out there. And he knows his skill level. And I think so. Adam Fox now, even though he's only been in the league a short time, he knows his skill level. It's like Kale McCarr, too, right in Colorado. Now they know what they can do. And you find that out by making a few mistakes and finding out what you can't do. But I think there's subtle differences between Hedman and Adam Fox, and Adam Fox is a true blue, uh, outstanding defenseman who can really tear you apart offensively and solid defensively. One more for me, Brian, before we let you go, and that's Stamkos and the uh, evolution of of this player. And not so much from a production point of view, but the last few years from a leadership point of view, I almost kind of see him much like a, a Steve Eiserman who really evolved later in his career as, as, as a leader. But last night, another big goal, and just just his presence has really 
it's really taken off. I think the last year and a half too. That's a really good analogy. I, I, I agree with that. Steve's game changed over the years. Um, and Stammers has too. Stammers, one of the, you know, best captains I've ever seen. Uh, you know, I'm not in the room every day, but you know, when you're following the team and have been here about seven years now, you, you know, you really get a sense, not just from talking to him, but from the other players and really what he's like around the team. When you have great players like that, it's literally how they walk into the room. Uh, that part, you know, it gets overlooked sometimes. That's true for coaches. It's true for great players and certainly for captains. And Stammer has that it thing. And that comes from your success on the ice. Uh, you know, in prior years, there's no doubt the 60 goal seasons, the scoring 50 goals. This may have been his best year in the National Hockey League, over 100 points. Uh, they had guys missing uh, for stretches, star players, Kucherov and Point, and guys out of the lineup. And Stammer, fortunately for him, he was able to train this offseason and not rehab. There's a big difference. You guys know that. So he came into camp the first day of training camp, and he was flying all over the place. And I went, wow, that's, that's really outstanding. So I mean, you've got a guy who just won two Stanley Cups who sets the tone for everybody, and you could get a sense of the rest of the team going, ooh, if he's going that fast on day one, then we better get going too. And he really drove the team right from the very beginning. He and Victor Hedman the same way. They are driven to succeed. They are true professionals. And Stammer's game on the ice now makes plays. He certainly, you know, the one-timer speaks for itself. He can score from any almost impossible angle. Um, But his overall game and his leadership has been simply outstanding. And when he walks in the room, it's time for business. And that business has been good the last two and a half years. Yeah, uh, to your point, uh, Stammer will give credit to Gary Roberts uh, and and what he was able to do uh, to to yeah. rehab him on a on a couple of different levels. So uh, kudos to uh, Gary Roberts and that relationship. Hey, listen, absolutely. Um, uh, did I intrude you as a two time Stanley Cup champion when it's three? <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm only on the cup twice, but I'm on the roster and played that first year when I got called up but I didn't qualify to get my name on the Stanley Cup. So uh, it's kind of both, but technically, yeah, I'm on twice. Okay, I, the last thing I want to do is rip you off a cup. That's <laughs> <laughs> They're so hard to get. Yeah. Hey, Brian, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Be well. Thanks, Brian. Brian Anglum, Lightning Analyst. Yeah, for me, Stammer. Uh, you I, thought I sewer Jacob? I was all over you because you know you start getting uh, some some messages. He's a three time Stanley Cup champion. I'm like, uh, no, Sammy wrote it down as two. And I'm like, <laughs> I was gonna text him back. Sammy's super smart. Not easy. Just a super <laughs> Leaf fan. He's super smart. He would never do that to me. <laughs> Yeah, right. I had that confidence in you, eh, Sammy? Uh, I, buddy, I knew it. I, hey, I'm Mr. Technical. I knew the technicalities all over the place. I'm like, I got this. So I put that on there correctly. That's for why you're our producer, Sammy. Oh, no yeah. accident. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk a little NFL and um, – Maybe even some golf. What's going on? You're a golf guy, Phil Mickelson. Did I see Bryson money. and Reed went to live today? Yeah. Did they? 
Yeah. They did, yeah. Oh, the PGA must be losing their mind reeling. right now. They're reeling. Also, I want to get into uh, the Broncos being sold for $4.65 million and what? Is that a lot? Bill, uh, $4.65 billion, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. a B. A B. What that means to the National Hockey League and what it may mean to the Ottawa Senators. That more after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A few signings yesterday. Jack Roslovic, Columbus, $8 million for two years. And the one that kind of grabbed my attention as it maybe pertains to uh, a Leaf situation, guys, uh, is Dennis Gurianov. And he signs for $2.9 million and kind of comparable numbers to Mikheyev here in Toronto with one exception. Uh, he remains a restricted free agent while Mikheyev goes unrestricted free agent. But when you look at the numbers... They're fairly comparable. Uh, Giryanov ended up with uh, 21, uh, 21 goals, I think. And uh, Mikheyev, similar uh, uh, numbers, 36, what, 40 points. And just where does this kind of leave Mikheyev uh, with unrestricted free agency? Because we all know that uh, the, the talk about the numbers maybe tripling for Mikheyev seemed to be there. But should they be? Well, what's scary about this whole scenario is you mentioned they had similar goal totals. Mikheyev's in like 50 games compared to Gurianov's 70-some. So that's not good. He's unrestricted, not restricted. So that's not good in terms of what you got to pay to keep him. So if Gurianov's getting like three mil a year, Mikheyev's definitely getting four, isn't he? I know he's a little older and less track record and pedigree, but still, boys. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it, it it really comes down for the the ability to get something for nothing. That how much do you overpay? And you do overpay in in UFA. We know that. That's been well documented, but how much more do you want to gamble? Especially with the fact that Giryanov's uh, younger and he's played yeah, that's true. what what did you say another he's played what uh 50, 60 more games. Like, there's even more of a track record for a younger Garyanov than there is Mikheyev. Yeah. There, there's a lot of upside with Garyanov. I love the player, uh, and I think he's he does have a, a bright future. Mikheyev, you wonder if this isn't peak Mikheyev. Like, I don't think you're getting more from him beyond this. I don't, and I actually think that everything he shot, everything that could go right went right for Mikheyev this year. You know, bad angle shots and good breaks, and it just, I don't know. I, I'm a little wary of the Mikheyev number. Couldn't you see us sitting here, oh, the Leafs go out and pay pay for Mikheyev, and all of a sudden he has a 28-game goalless drought? Like, doesn't he seem like the guy who could go through stretches like that to you? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. More than the 30-goal guy? I do believe he came on pretty strong, though, in the latter part of the season and became a pretty important player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, is that just, uh, would you, in a perfect world, be more comfortable with another year of that before you commit 
right. twenty million dollars to this guy over five years. <laughs> That's too yeah. much. Like the old, uh, like the old uh, Price is Right game. That's too much. <laughs> That's too much. Like I, 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 like I've said it. I would drive him away. I would take him to the airport. Thank you for your contributions, Ilya. I do not want to pay you any money for any term because I do not like the time. Listen, you're going to get consistent effort. There's no, like, you're going to have a good penalty killer. You're going to have a guy that skates hard, big body. But listen, when we when it got to, you know what, cut in time, he wasn't very good. Like, what like what are his career playoff numbers, Mikheyev? I'm just, I'm just quickly yeah, Googling great. here. He's played in 19 career playoff games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. How many points do you think he has? Uh, eight. Seventy. Seventy. <laughs> 19 games, Kiffer. 19 playoff games. No, no, I'm sorry. I thought you, I thought, uh, you meant uh, career. His, his whole career, he has 72. Yeah, so you're yeah. close 70, on that. 72. Okay. But in, he's got four career playoff points in 19 games, yes. two goals, yeah. and yeah. two of those goals were empty netters at the end of that wild uh, oh, yeah. lightning I game. I, I get it. I get it. He, he hasn't been good for them in big games. I, I just, I'm not paying him. I, I, I really, I appreciate what he's done. Have fun in Columbus. All right. Um, let's move on. I want to mention this, uh, this story. Uh, the number's off the charts. $4.65 for the Denver Broncos. And I just got to think, Gary Bettman and the owners got to be licking their chops when it comes to, and I know it's the NFL, but like it, it rises everybody, as they say. Um, and what does this do now to the Ottawa Senators? Like, it's got to it's push far beyond the 650 guys that Seattle paid. Oh, I was thinking, I had you heard, pay this. I, I, had heard, I had heard, uh, like, it, it's in the ballpark of a billion dollars that the NHL feel what? like the Ottawa Senators are worth. Now, keep in mind that there's debt involved, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. this doesn't factor in what is owed on the team. But the sense I got out of New York City is that uh, this organization could be in the ballpark of a billion dollars. I mean, it just seems insane to me, right? Like right after Vegas and Seattle paid the, you know, whatever they paid to get their teams at six fifty, um, you know, to see the the Senators don't are they, are they much more established than those teams aside from longevity? Like, I don't know. It feels like they got no fan base, no season ticket holders, no brand. Like, I, hey, I'm in favor of the the success of Canadian teams, and I want them to do well and be worth all that. But it's just hard for me to see the Ottawa Senators being worth that that kind of money. That's that's wild to me. Yeah. Uh, listen, for, it, it makes sense what you're saying, but if if you were just to pick up a team and, and move it anywhere you want. Uh, the value would still be a billion dollars on any of them, according to how the league, I think, wants to perceive this exclusive club. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep, for sure. And Ottawa, and, and, not to mention, the potential it, said, uh, go ahead, Kipper. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, and, and we got to factor in uh, this new gambling LeBron. world oh, that's taken everybody to another level. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's another. There's a lot more dollars and cents there, and I just think with Ottawa, with you know the potential for sort of a new location, new building, that that whole thing, it feels like there is a a brand waiting to explode that hasn't um, and isn't worth something yet that it has the potential to be worth in the near future. 
All right, speaking of big bucks in sports, Sammy, give us a little update. What's going on with this live tour and Phil? Boys. And uh, what, what kind of money are we talking about in all of this? Because it's, yeah, I'm blown away by it. I think it's, I mean, DJ got, what, 125 to go over there? And that was just like up front. That doesn't include what he wins in the, oh, in really? the tournaments. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just got a signing bonus. My, like, just a signing they, bonus. They, they offered. I mean, they apparently they offered Tiger close to a billion to play in it. I, I the figures haven't been released on what Phil got paid, but like, I don't know. I I have to be honest. You know, now with Bryson going and like with Reed going, like I do have a bit of interest. And it's got of these course. team things going on with these weird names for the teams. Like, have you seen the names of those teams? They got yeah. like a team event. They're doing a draft like Team Fireball and Team Stinger and like all this really weird crap. So I am interested. Not this weekend or next weekend because it's the Canadian Open and the U.S. Open. So I literally do not care for the next two weekends. But I will kind of have an eye on it. I'm not going to lie to you. I am, I am interested. A little is, WHA is the, action. Is it WHA is, or is this going to – is this got lasting uh, a lot uh, – longevity involved what do you i think? mean this ends in a fire speaking of team fireballs this ends in a fireball in about two years when god knows what terrible thing happens with the, the regime yes. all right anyway. we got to get going our thanks to brian englom enjoy your off night everybody quiet one in the nhl we're back tomorrow